Are you planning for retirement, buying a home, sending your kids to college, or looking for ways to protect your estate assets? The Simply Advised podcast connects you to trusted professionals, subject matter experts who communicate critical information in a meaningful and memorable way to guide you to make smart choices. Listen in as our experts help you handle whatever life throws your way. Hello and welcome to another Simply Advised podcast. Today, our special guest is Kelly Boyd with InvestWise Financial. We're going to learn from somebody who has done many, many educational events about Roth conversions. I don't know if you know this, everybody, but there are an enormous amount of different ideas and different philosophies and different choices you have to make when you're getting closer to retirement and even in pre-retirement to make sure that your retirement money is going to last as long as it possibly can in a very tax-favored way. And that's one of the things we're going to talk to Kelly about. But first, we're going to take a moment to get to know Kelly just a little bit better. So Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. So I think it's important for everybody to just understand a brief history of of where you are right now and and how you got there. So would you mind telling me and our audience, um, why did you decide to become a financial advisor? I mean, this is one of those things where people don't normally look for this as a career, but once they get into it, they absolutely love it. What drove you to do this for a living? Well, you know, Matt, it was really... I want to call it almost by accident. Back in the day, I don't want to age myself, but I went to a job fair when I got right out of college, Michigan State grad. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I had gone to school for some management and merchandising and was kind of walking around and I had somebody approach me at one of the booths that was with a financial firm. It was actually IDS at the time, uh, now Ameriprise. Just tried to you know, strike up a conversation and I kept, yeah, maybe, no, maybe. Well, he kept coming back and kept coming back. And long story short, ended up giving him, um, you know, some time, had a conversation. He just said, you know, why don't you give this a try? I'd really like you to come on board, look into some financial advising. And really long and short of it was I ended up joining and became an assistant to a female financial advisor. Going way back, that's really where I started my journey. I I was an assistant to her. She was a very high producer. And as I worked with her over the years, I got really acclimated to a lot of behind the scenes stuff, scheduling the appointments, preparing for the appointments, talking to clients. And after years of doing that, I realized that maybe this is something I should take a look at. You know, maybe I should be talking to the clients, having conversations. I mean, you know, for those of you who came from a, we'll call it administrative position, there's no better way, in my opinion, to actually start in this career is to be in that position because you get to know everything behind the scenes before you're actually sitting in front of of clients. And I uh, wouldn't do it any other way looking back. If I were to say where I started, started with that job fair, Started with that financial firm, had a a great team I was working with. I learned a ton, ended up getting my licenses as I was still an administrative assistant, and then uh, just made the leap to being an actual financial planner. And how long have you been with InvestWise? I've been with InvestWise just over 10 years. Okay. Wow. Okay. Now, a lot of times, Kelly, 
during that journey, and I think you're right, I think starting as an assistant and truly understanding all of the work that goes into being an advisor truly changes your perspective and also can change the way that you now as a financial services professional will work with clients. Was there a specific turning point though? I mean, do you remember your mentor telling you a story or you hearing a story from a client that made you say, you know what, darn it, I really want to do this? It's funny you should say that because there was something that my manager said to me that he knew I was just going to be great in this field. And he said to me, Kelly, I love how curious you are. You're a curious person and people that are curious are good listeners. They ask great questions. And he said, there's no doubt that you're going to be a great financial planner. So that always kind of stuck with me because... I love to get to know my clients and their families and find out about what they're trying to accomplish, what are their goals, uh, what are their aspirations. And having that curiosity is really, I think, what drives me every day to help people. So that was that was kind of a, a kind of a aha moment for me, not really knowing if this was going to be the right path for me almost 30 years ago. I really thanked him for, for, you know, mentioning that to me, because I think that gave me, put me on the path of going in this type of a field. Sure seemed to be a great turning point for you. <laughs> How many people say in their own career for 30 years? I mean, Kelly, that's, that's, a, that's notable right there. Yeah, I'm a very committed individual. I'm very focused. I'm not a quitter. I, I'm always up for a challenge. I've got great leadership over at InvestWise and they've got some great mentors over there and they, they give us lots of direction and support. I usually just run with it. Most things do pan out as long as you put the time, effort. It, like I said, it, it will work, but it's also, it's a little bit of a grind. We're not gonna, we're not gonna lie. I mean, you know, with, with this career, there's a lot of late nights accommodating different schedules. Most people, I don't want to say most, but a lot of people, that's a, that's a tough thing for them to do. I mean, they've got other obligations. And so I've been fortunate that I have a situation where I've been able to put my career, even though I do have a daughter, I, I have great support from my family. And that has allowed me to do all of the things that have made me where I am today. So I'm very grateful and thankful for that challenges make your foundation, I believe, even stronger. And one of the biggest challenges that our audience faces is making decisions, especially when it comes to what type of instrument they should use with their retirement money. So if you don't mind, we're going to start kind of with the basics here. And then I'm because I'm, I think it's important for everybody to get the foundation, we get some operational definitions. And then we're going to dive very deeply into your level of expertise here. So we're going to talk about Roths today. But let's begin by asking the question, what the heck is it? And where did it come from? The I know it came from I want to say that the name Roth came from, I don't know if it was a senator or, or somebody in, in the political world. I don't know if I've got that 100%, but I know that it came about back in, uh, when it was at 1997. And again, don't quote me at that. It might've been 1997, but it's not really, in my opinion, until as of the last few years that folks have really entertained the Roth IRA. I mean, from the get-go, I was always on board 
with the Roth. And I don't know, Matt, if we want to kind of, you're asking me the questions here, but I don't know if we want to start off, but, you know, the most folks even know what the Roth Roth is and how it works. I mean, those are some of the basics, but. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Let's, let's, let's pivot to that. I, I definitely want to know. I want to know those things just as a foundation. Yeah. So, you know, for the Roth IRA, it's a vehicle where you put money that's already been taxed. So let's say you've got money in a bank account. And you're able to make a, to start off, let's say a contribution into a Roth IRA. Now the limits have gone up each and every year, mostly for the current Roths. If you're under the age of 50, you can put $6,000 a year. If you're over the age of 50, you can put $7,000 a year. That has been the same for 2019 and 2020. They usually try to adjust them a little bit for inflation, but that's not always the case. So in any event, you, you know, you can put money into the Roth and then any of the growth that that Roth earns down the road becomes tax free to you. So imagine putting, you know, $1,000 in a Roth and several years later, you've doubled your money and uh, all the growth uh, on that $1,000 then becomes tax free. It's, in my opinion, whether you start off systematically putting money into a Roth or you make a one-time deposit, it's a very, very, in my opinion, one of the most important pieces of your, your portfolio because there is only really a couple of vehicles that allow you to get tax-free income in retirement. And I think that you know a lot of people spend a lot of time in accumulation mode until they're ready to retire. And then they start thinking about, oh boy, now I've got to take money out of this account and I don't want to pay any taxes on it. How can I go about pulling my money out without paying any taxes? Well, I'm not going to say that it's too late, but in many cases it can be. I mean, they should have been looking at these types of vehicles very early in their careers. And if, if they were working with a financial professional, whether it be myself or somebody else, they would have put them in that direction because I've been promoting them since they came out back in the late 90s. So imagine a pool of dollars that you're able to tap into down the road and pay zero tax on it. I mean, there's a couple of things you have to be aware of. You can't get the tax-free growth unless you're age 59 and a half or older. You've held the account for at least five years. So there's a couple of things you have to make sure that you abide by. But other than that, Wow, tax-free growth in retirement. Really, the only other vehicle that allows something even similar to that would be something like a cash value life insurance policy, which we'll probably won't talk much about today. Do our, our planning with our clients. We really try to talk about ways to minimize their taxation when they're starting to take distributions from their accounts. And that's really where a lot of folks need the help is in the, distribu the distribution phase. Not so much accumulation, accumulation phase. We want to earn as much money as possible. We're not really, well, of course, rate of return is important, but we're not, that, that's not our main focus, just trying to save as much as we can. But then when we get into that distribution phase into retirement, boy, those tax-free dollars certainly are very, very powerful. Can you have a Roth going at the same time that you can have a 401k or a 403b? Absolutely. You can have both uh, your 401k and your 403b. Actually, that would be kind of the perfect scenario if you could put your pre-tax dollars into those types of vehicles, which will give you an immediate tax break today, and then look at the Roth dollars or the after-tax, you know, that growth in the Roth for a tax break down the road. 
really, really nice complement to each other. And even some plans, Matt, allow both pre and Roth dollars in their 401k and their 403b. In other words, you know, you could put 10, uh, 5% of your deferral into a your pre-tax in your 401k and then 5% after-tax in the Roth 401k. So whether you have it available to you within your plan through your employer or you set up your own Roth outside of your retirement plan through work, either way, you could actually you know, do both. You can do both. And I'll even take it a step further to say, you could have a Roth 401k and you could have your own individual Roth IRA outside of that to really get some tax-free tax dollars. And when with the 401k Roths, those are really helpful for folks that are in a high that, that are high income earners because with the Roths, especially when you're looking at contributions, there's income limits that you have to watch. So as an example, if you're a married couple and you bring in, you know, more than $206,000 a year, you're not able to make a Roth IRA contribution. So it's a way for those high income earners, if you have that available through your 401k or your 403b to make contributions. I think that's to actually do both. When you talk about the ability to you know, invest in both, one of the other things that I've heard a lot about, especially recently, is opportunities for you to convert your 401k, 403b, or other sorts of taxable investment accounts into a Roth. Would you mind walking us through, one, how you make that decision, and then two, maybe talk to people about um, who is a good candidate for that? Well, like I said, I don't think there's anybody that, that couldn't benefit from a Roth, but Let's say that you are an older individual. Boy, and I got to be real careful with that because uh, maybe you're over the age of 70. And, you know, maybe the Roth IRA or a Roth conversion may not make the most sense for you in your lifetime. And then the only reason I say that is the longer that you have a Roth, you know, it's all about the growth in the account. So obviously, you've, if you've got a 10, 15, 20, 25 year time horizon, that's a whole lot of tax free growth that you can accumulate. So from a legacy play, you know, you could look at passing on Roth dollars to, you know, your, your children, your spouse, that's a scenario where you would be looking at paying the taxes in today's tax environment. And you talked about the conversion, Matt. So this is this is somebody that has a traditional IRA. They carve a portion of that out of their portfolio. So they have, you know, whether they have a hundred thousand dollar IRA, maybe they take ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars of that. They pay tax on the money today. And then from that point forward, the account grows tax-free. So why would we want to look at Roth conversions, particularly in today's environment? Well, that's actually an easy question because we are in all-time low federal income tax brackets. So whether anyone wants to believe that or not, we're at 100-year historic lows in federal tax brackets. So we have that till 2025. Why not look at paying tax, you know, in a 12% or a 22% bracket today, because we know what the actual federal tax bracket is 
versus waiting till after 2025 when we don't know what the tax brackets are going to be, but I'm going to take a guess that they're most likely going to go up from where they are. So that allows you to, like I said, take advantage of the low federal income tax brackets, then let the monies grow tax-free from there. Now, you do have to be aware that if you do a conversion, the year you do the conversion, so if you're doing it in 2020, that's considered income to you in that year. So when you said, who does it make sense for? Well, it really depends on maybe you're someone who's working in 2020, but you plan on retiring next year in 2021. Well, maybe it makes sense to do the conversion in 2021 when you don't have as much income coming in. You know, your traditional income goes away. So you're, you're going to have less coming in in 2021. So that puts you in even a lower tax bracket. So maybe it makes sense for you to do that next year. Maybe you do it over a series of years. You know, over the next five years, I'm going to do X amount per year. You really got to work with your financial planner and your tax preparer, whether it's a CPA or a tax preparer. And we do that quite a bit where we'll have conversations and just get that final confirmation from the tax preparer of how much can this individual convert before they're thrown into the next tax bracket. So it's really going to depend on, uh, you know, your, your income, your age, the goal with the money. I mean, I know for, a, for myself that I would much rather inherit a tax-free investment than a taxable one. I think most people would agree with that. So, so like I said, the, the, the Roth conversion, whether it's somebody that takes advantage of it for themselves, they use that money down the road for, uh, you know, anything really, vacation, a car, a house, it's tax-free. You can do anything with it. And if you don't end up using it yourself, then you certainly can pass it on to your loved ones. And what a great legacy play that is. So uh, very, very fond, as you can tell, of the Roth. Yeah. And, and anybody can really own one. And when I say that, whether you do a contribution or you do a conversion, there, there's a way for everyone to have a little bit of the Roth in their portfolio. Recently, there were some changes to the tax law when it came to required minimum distributions for Roths. Would you mind talking just a little bit about that? Well, the SECURE Act actually uh, changed the required minimum distributions for IRAs in general. So what that means is that you don't need to take your required minimum distribution until age 72 versus the 70 and a half that it traditionally was. So again, you have till age 72 to start taking required minimum distributions. That's out of a traditional IRA. So one of the huge benefits of the Roth IRA is you are not required to take a required minimum distribution from a Roth IRA. So that would be another huge, uh, you know, tax planning vehicle for a lot of folks. You know, if, if you can start doing conversions earlier than later, you know, maybe you start doing them at 55, 60 years old, and then you have everything converted over to the Roth. By the time you're 72, you're not going to be required to take anything out. We'll, we'll just say you won't be forced to take anything out if you all have, if you have everything in Roth dollars. If you do inherit a Roth IRA, or quite frankly, even a traditional IRA under the new SECURE Act, if you're a non-spouse, and I think this is what you were speaking about, Matt, if you're a non-spouse and you inherit one of these vehicles, um, they've eliminated the stretch IRA, which means 
you now you have to deplete these accounts over a 10-year time frame. It doesn't mean that you have to take the money out each and every year, but you do by that 10th year have to take all the monies out, whether it's your traditional IRA or your Roth IRA. And yes, you are required to take money out of your Roth IRA under that same 10-year time frame. But remember, it's not taxable. You know, there's some some things that you really need to start. Uh, and that's that's quite frankly, another reason why the Roth IRA is so attractive, because leaving just a traditional IRA to somebody, not that they're not going to take it, but I think from a from a planning standpoint, passing on Roth IRA dollars or even maybe using uh, you know, just going off topic for many things like life insurance and things that will also pass on tax free. But there's there's a lot of planning opportunities in today's environment due to the SECURE Act and, and those types of changes. And I know that you're not a tax professional and you're not providing direct investment advice here, but I, I have um, five or six questions that are some of the frequent mistakes that people make with Roths. And I know you've covered a couple of these, but I think as we couch them in mistakes, maybe this will um, <laughs> help our audience rethink some of the things that they might have questions about. And the first one is, is taking money out too early. What happens if you take money out of a Roth before 59 and a half? So if you take money out after, I'm sorry, prior to age 59 and a half, you will get a 10% penalty on any of the growth in the account. So I think it's important to understand that any monies that you put in a Roth, so we'll call it your cost basis or your contribution, whatever you've put in, you have access to those dollars at any time, at any age, okay? Because remember, you've, you've funded it with money that's already been taxed. But if you start pulling money out of a Roth prior to age 59 and a half, we're going to be talking about the growth portion here. That growth portion would not only get taxed, but then you have a 10% penalty if you don't have the, uh, you know, allow the proper time that's required. Contributing too much. So what happens if you break that $6,000 rule and either by accident or just because you didn't know that there was, you deposit too much money into the Roth? Well, at that point, they would have to recharacterize the the excess in the account. So, and there's, you know, sometimes that happens. People don't realize for whatever reason, they make more money than they think or well, just it just happens. It's life, right? So it's uh, it's actually a fairly easy fix. I wouldn't get in the habit of doing it all the time, but there is a form, uh, at least with some of the companies that we work with, it's recharacterization. And many times we've actually taken those dollars and just put them in a traditional IRA versus keeping them uh, in, in the Roth. Sometimes that that makes sense, or they just get the money back. But there are ways that they can fix that if it does happen. It's nothing to panic over. Like I said, it's basically a couple of forms you have to fill out and they'll, they'll make it, they'll make them whole again. What about spousal stuff with RIAs and Roths? Is there, is anything specific when it comes to increase, decrease, or things that you need to pay attention to or that you should educate our audience about spousal benefits? Well, I think that's actually a great question. And I think that's overlooked quite a bit because if you've got a spouse, maybe they're they're not working at all or um, they have a very low income, as long as one of the spouses is working, you can set up a IRA and or Roth IRA as long as you file a joint return. 
that spouse can make, you know, contributions. And another another bonus of the Roth IRA is you can continue to make contribution to Roths even after the eight, you know, as long as you have earned income, you've got income from some sort of a job, whether it's, you know, part-time, maybe it's full-time, whatever it is, as long as you have earned income, I'm not talking about social security or pension or investment income, but as long as you have earned income, you can actually make a contribution to a Roth. And, you know, there's a lot of people now over the ages of 70, 72 still working, and uh, that might be something that they want to do. But I think the takeaway with that question is that, yes, a, a spouse can fund a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA for that matter, as long as the other spouse is working. And I think that's, uh, you know, a way to get even more dollars in a, you know, a Roth IRA. So now you're not just talking about one contribution, you're talking about two, right? So if you're both over the age of 50, you can put $14,000 between you and your spouse into a Roth, as long as that much money has been made, of course. Mm. Yeah. You only can put in as much as you make. So if you're working part-time and you make $5,000, you can't put the full $7,000 in your Roth. You have only put in as much as you make up to the maximum. I have heard absolute horror stories about beneficiary issues. How does how do beneficiaries play into Roths and why is it so important to frequently check who is your beneficiary? Well, that's also an excellent question, something that many times is overlooked. You know, I think I mentioned um, that I do do several webinars and workshops with estate planning attorneys, even aside from from working with with them. I knew this just being in my field for so long is that beneficiary forms override any trust or any will that you have in place. So I always challenge the audience, uh, if you will, and I'll say, I mean, how, how many of you have, you know, maybe taken the time and, and, and the money to put a nice trust in place or a will in place, but you have this old 401k or this really old life insurance policy you got when you were 18. Have you ever looked at the beneficiaries or the beneficiary form? Heck, you might not even have a beneficiary. If you've been at, a, at your employer for 40 years, when was the last time you checked to see if you had a beneficiary even designated? It's hugely important not only on the financial planning side, but the estate planning side, you absolutely need to be checking your beneficiaries and updating them as far as I'm concerned on an annual basis. I know with my clients, uh, when we do our reviews, they're listed right there on the review. You have to have, you know, your, your primary beneficiary, your contingent beneficiary. You know, if you want to make a change, it's an easy fix. Again, just an updated form. It absolutely has to be addressed and looked at on a regular basis. And I know it sounds, uh, maybe it doesn't sound important to many of you, but it's super important because if you listened to some of the uh, the folks that we have the privilege of, of learning from, and uh, you know, whether it's the attorneys or the, or the CPAs and the things that, the, the, the errors that, that folks make that can be so easily fixed by doing something as simple as, you know, updating their beneficiary form, because you don't want the wrong people for whatever reason to get money that, that they weren't intended to get. 
yeah, I've heard that, uh, you know, ex-spouses from three divorces to go ago. I mean, it's fascinating to me how when people don't rely on their financial services professional, especially for those annual reviews, to have somebody else take a good objective look at what you're doing and how you're doing it, that can really make a long-term difference and actually can really damage current relationships if you don't have those in place. Now, when it comes to handing down, so we talked about that as a beneficiary perspective, making sure that the beneficiaries are there, taxes are at an all-time low. And I'm gonna pause here just so that we can make sure that we maybe do a little bit of a reset. I wanna talk to you about something you said earlier, which is taxes are at an all-time low, right? Right. It seems to me, and I am no tax expert, and I know that you're not technically a tax expert, but guess what? Taxes are probably going to go up. And rumor has it, when you start taking money out of your 401k, that a lot of people are quite shocked at the tax bracket they're put in. Have you had any stories like that that you've experienced in the 25, 30 plus years that you've been doing this? Well, yes. And I would say, as I mentioned, unfortunately, many folks don't understand the implications of the taxes once they start pulling dollars out of their retirement accounts in particular. The the number one, I would say, concern of a retiree, well, everyone really, but especially a retiree, is um, the taxes that they pay. When you retire and you don't have that traditional income coming in, trying to keep up with things like inflation and, you know, all the other things you've dealt with in your whole career, but it even becomes more challenging when you're in retirement. And then, you know, I'll help people understand, again, not being a tax professional, but I will guide them and, and say, you know, you're, you're in the 12% bracket or the 22% bracket or the 24% bracket. And we try to distribute their monies in a tax efficient manner. And what I mean by that is if you're properly set up, you've got tax deferred accounts, you've got some cash, you've got some tax free accounts. Maybe you wanna do that 20, $30,000 kitchen remodel or bath remodel. And it's not necessarily that you pull it from one particular account. It's a combination of three different accounts. And I know that might be a little bit of a pain, but maybe we take 10,000 from your bank account, 10,000 from your Roth. 10,000 from your IRA. And if you do it in that manner or that fashion, that's when you're going to get a tax efficient distribution and not, you know, get yourself in a really bad tax scenario. So we actually work very closely with clients like that because you would be surprised, you know, you may take out a thousand dollars and pay 500 in taxes if you don't do it right. So I think that's another reason why working with a financial professional is is so important because there's so many things that you can be doing. You just don't know what you don't know. Is that it's kind of one of my my I know it's cliche, but it's one of my 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 sayings because it's so true. I mean, what is available to really everyone, but especially a retiree in today's times is just phenomenal. And you really need to be working with somebody in the know uh, who's in this day in and day out, 30 years, that that knows what's the best way to position yourself. Speaking of uh, not knowing what you don't know, Kelly, is there a question I should have asked you about Roth conversions or Roths that I missed today? Not really. I mean, I think the, the takeaway with the Roth, 
the, the whole premise of it is the tax-free growth. You can either make a contribution. Of course, you got to watch income limits if you fall in that category. You can do a Roth conversion. That's where you're taking your traditional IRA. You convert it to a Roth, pay the taxes today, and then it grows tax-free. If you're someone who is an, a high-income earner, you can do something called a backdoor Roth IRA, which is just a, it's a legal loophole that allows high income earners, uh, you know, those that make over 206000 a year to get, get some dollars into a Roth, of course, contributing to your 401k plan, uh, 401k Roth, if you have one, would be ideal for that high income earner. But so I think we, we've really kind of talked about all the different ways, contributions, conversions, backdoor, ways that you can get dollars into a Roth. Again, I think everybody should be looking at them to some degree. I'd love to close out the podcast by asking professionals like you, if there's one piece of advice that you find yourself giving to clients and prospects on a regular basis, what is that piece of advice? Save, save, save. Again, it sounds cliche, but earlier you start, you know, whether you're in retirement right now, I'll, I'll encourage my clients to either tell their children or their grandchildren, since we're talking on topics of Roths, please have them come see me or have them start a Roth IRA. The earlier you start, the better. I don't think that's any secret. We work really hard in positioning our clients' monies based on the time frame in which they're going to be using the dollars. We do something called bucket planning, not to get off talk, top topic a little bit, but it's 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 a really, really a powerful way for folks to see where they should be positioning what assets based on when they're going to be pulling the money out. You know, I guess my other advice would be go see a financial professional because you're you're doing yourself a dis favor by not being open-minded and listening. And I know there may be a lot of do-it-yourselfers out there. I mean, then there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I can tell you that if, if you're getting to the point where you're making that pivot, where you're going to be starting to take distributions, unless you're in this field, you're not going to know all the, we'll call it the legal loopholes and legal ways for you to not only take monies out for your own personal use, or if you're using it as a legacy play. So my advice would be meet with a financial professional, save and uh, distribute your monies as best you can in a tax efficient way by again, utilizing those professionals. Kelly, I'm sure after people listen to this podcast, they're gonna to wanna to know how they can get in touch with you directly. What is the best way for our audience to reach out to you? Well, there's, you know, your traditional uh, ways would be the email, the K Boyd, B-O-Y-D at investwisefinancial.com. Our phone number is 586-331-3177. Of course, I have a LinkedIn page. It's under Kelly Boyd. Those are probably the easiest ways for somebody to get in touch with me. And I'd be more than willing to have a conversation, chat and email, a Zoom meeting, an in-person meeting, all those work. Awesome. Well, we will make sure that those are in the show notes. So if anybody wants to contact you, they can just click a couple of times on uh, the show notes and get in contact with you. Kelly, thank you so much for educating us today on Roth conversions and Roths in general. Thank you, Matt. This has been great and uh, good luck to everybody out there. For everybody at InvestWise Financial, this is Matt Halloran. And remember, this is for educational purposes only. Kelly's not providing any tax or investment advice directly to you. Please seek 
your advice from a financial services professional. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Simply Advised podcast. Click on the link to subscribe to our podcast and learn more about how we can help you become more confident and informed about your financial choices.